Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Thank you to the praise team. The music has been beautiful, hasn't it? When you have the courage to pray with your eyes open, noticing how God works, to pray in the name of Jesus, standing under His authority and surrendered to His will, when you say, God, I'm available, not just to try to stay out of trouble till Jesus comes, but actually to let you use me as a harvest worker to impact the world for your kingdom's glory, you need spiritual protection. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're honored that you would call us to join you in your work for the honor and glory of your name. But help us to recognize that we are in the midst of a cosmic battle. And help us to intentionally accept the spiritual protection that you alone can give. Speak to our hearts, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was late Saturday night. I don't remember the exact time, but, but I, I knew it was late because when the phone rang, I thought, somebody's in trouble. You know when you get the late phone call. And I picked up the phone, and it was my neighbor, Steve. And Steve said, Derek, uh, we've got a problem here at the house. I wonder if you could come and pray for us. Apparently, a group of students had gathered to close the Sabbath and were spending the evening there together and decided to have a circle of prayer. And they began to pray around the circle. And when they came to one young lady, we'll call her Susan, she was not able to pray. And one of my students got up carelessly and walked around and went to put his arm around her to pray, but he was not spiritually protected. And as he reached out, she pushed him across the room and began to snarl and breathe with heavy breathing. Derek, could you come down and pray? Well, one thing I've learned is that when we enter into spiritual conflict, we need protection. So I turned to my wife. Some friends were there with us that night, and I asked them, will you pray with me? And they said, yes, we prayed. I went down the road to my neighbor's house. I did not know, but from the moment I left to the moment I returned, they were praying for me. Thank God someone's praying. Because as I walked into my neighbor's house, there was confusion. They were gathered around on the family room floor, and, and Susan was laying there. She was valedictorian of her class, an outstanding student, and 
One of my students that semester, there she was laying on the floor. Some people were saying, say Jesus, say Jesus. She said, I don't understand what you're saying. I remember coming and kneeling at her feet. And I thought to myself, I'm going to lay my hand on her and pray a blessing in the name of Jesus. And as I reached out my hand, she went, like she wanted to rip my head off of my shoulders. What had happened to her? And as I knelt at her feet, a voice spoke from her throat and said, she opened her life to me. I was oblivious to the fact that two weeks earlier, Susan had become angry with God. Now, I don't think it's a sin to be angry with God. Sometimes we struggle. I believe God can handle our anger, don't you? He's a great and awesome God. When your child gets upset because he has to come in from play at a ridiculously early time, you don't abandon him because he's upset with you. But Susan made a very foolish decision two weeks before. She said, God, get out of my life, and I'm not coming back, and I'm going to break all of your laws. She went shopping that Sabbath afternoon. Now, I don't believe everyone who goes shopping on Saturday afternoon is under spiritual attack, but but she was shaking her fist at God. She bought things she didn't even need. How do you think she felt as she was doing that? What do you think? How do you think she felt deliberately transgressing a command of God? How do you think she felt? Not good? Wrong. Sorry, wrong answer. How do you think she felt? Smug? No? Who said that? She said, I felt very powerful. First indication of demonic activity. And for the next two weeks, she kept going to prayer service. She kept attending classes, went to Vespers. But she said, I was cold and hard on the inside. She heard the voice speak when she was laying on the floor as I knelt at her feet. She heard the voice say, she opened her life to me. And she told me later, I said, Oh, God, I never thought it would come to this. There she is. What shall we do now? And as I knelt there at her feet, a text of Scripture flashed into my mind. You know, I'm so thankful for the promise, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I've said to you. By the way, if you don't put it in, he can't bring it to your remembrance. That's why the reading of Scripture is so important for the follower of Jesus. And I'm there at her feet, and the text flashes into my mind. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so kneeling there, skeptic that I am at times, O oh Lord, increase my faith. You say, how is saying this little thing going to do anything? 
But you see, there is power in the Word of God. And so I begin to pray <laughs> the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. It's there in Ephesians 6. The gospel of peace on her feet. The shield of faith with which she can extinguish all of the fiery darts of the evil one. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as I'm praying there, only to discover from a later testimony she gave me, she said to me, Dr. Morris, every piece of the armor that you prayed, new strength came to me. You see, the Bible speaks about spiritual protection. It speaks about it as the armor of God. We find a parallel reference in the book of Romans, if you have your Bible with you. In Romans chapter 13, here it's described as the armor of light. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, And do this, knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. What does it say? Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us, not, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I want you to notice Paul who writes here to the Romans, who writes to the Ephesians about the armor of God, and he says, don't cram the armor over the works of darkness. Lord, strip me of the works of darkness and cover me with the armor of God. Amen? And he describes that as the armor of light. Now, if you've read your Bible, the kingdom of the enemy is described as a kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God is the kingdom of? And so when we accept the Lord Jesus and all that He is and all the protection that He offers, we are clothed with an armor of lights. Writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, that means we're here on planet earth, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, you cannot use kung fu in that battle. You cannot pull out your family shotgun in that battle. By the way, one of my students shared with me he had come under spiritual attack. He had been dealing drugs up on the east coast of North America. He said his first impression was to shoot, and he realized you can't shoot at those forces. His second impression was to shoot himself. We do not war with the weapons of this world, but mighty in God these weapons for the pulling down of strongholds. I'm reading in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 
bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This spiritual warfare, in this battle in which we find ourselves, when we take our stand as followers of Jesus, he says to us, you need spiritual protection. But I want you to notice from the passage that was read in Ephesians chapter 6, that this spiritual protection is not automatically given to you. Look with me in the text. Finally, verse 10 of Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What's the next verb? Put on the whole armor of God that you may take your stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It is a, an organized battle against us. Verse 13, Therefore, because of the conflict, because you've taken your stand as a follower of Jesus, therefore, Ephesians 6.13, what does it say? Therefore, take up. First verb, put on. Second verb, take up. Both of them are active. That means you have to do something. You have to say, Lord, in this battle in which I find myself, and I don't think that would be any <laughs> once-a-week type deal. I think it's a daily, maybe a moment-by-moment -moment decision to say, I stand not only with my heart surrendered to Jesus, but, but with my life protected by Jesus. Put on the whole armor of God. So I begin to pray for Susan, the belt of truth. Now you say, well, Derek, she's got to choose. I know. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, gospel of peace on your feast, shield of faith with which you can extinguish how many of the fiery darts? And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. She said, as you prayed, new strength came to me. And then as I prayed that armor over her, she cried out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus set her free. She was so happy. She gathered some of her friends together. It was right there in the house. She was right there in another part of the house. She gathered some friends, and they began to pray together. I had no idea what was to happen next. Uh, there aren't a lot of books that tell you about this. In fact, maybe the books could be a little dangerous because you think it's like a little formula. You need the Holy Spirit guiding you. But she said in a later testimony to me, she said, Dr. Morris says, we were praying together because I realized I have friends that are not protected, and we began to pray for others. And I do believe with all my heart that if you pray spiritual protection for someone, unless they willfully reject it, it will be given to them because you prayed in Jesus' name. And so she began to pray for all of her friends. She said, as we were praying, that evil spirit came right up to me again. And at first, she said, I was tempted to be afraid. But then I began to praise God because I realized it could not end to me. I was covered with the armor of God. But I want you to notice, my dear friends, that we have a choice to make.
Will we accept the protection that only Jesus can give? Put on the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. That's one word in the Greek. It's the word panoplia, from which we get the English word panoply. That's like an umbrella. It's a covering, a panoply. A pan, all, hoplia, weapons. It's all of the weapons, all of the protection of God. We say, yes, Lord, in this battle in which I find myself, I do not want to trust in the weapons of this world or my own wisdom and strength, but I ask to be covered with your armor. It was 2.15 in the morning when the phone rang. 2.15. It was... Um, Robert on the other end of the phone, and he said the most ridiculous thing to me. Did I wake you up? <laughs> um, and I said something ridiculous back. I said, no. <laughs> Have you ever done that when you got the, did I wake you up? No. <laughs> and it's obvious that you just woke up. No. But then, as he began to speak, I woke up very quickly. He said, uh, Dr. Morris, he said, there's a problem at the dorm. One of, our, one of our classmates, one of our students, is cutting his arm with a box cutter from his wrist to his elbow. And there's darkness there. And we wondered if you'd come and pray. Now, I've learned something, and I, I don't know everything about spiritual protection, but I think we have to be very careful that we don't think we're the savior of the world. You know. You are not the only one God will use. So pray. Say, Lord, my wife was awake by then too. We pray together. Lord, do you want us to go? Sometimes he says no. Call the, and ask him to go or her to go. But this time the answer was clear. Go. And so I got into my car and drove the windy four miles or so to the campus. I knew it was serious when I walked into the boys' dormitory, Tal Chol, some of you know Southern, walked into the dormitory, and the associate dean was waiting for me. He escorted me through the lobby and into a stairwell going up to the first floor. And in that stairwell, a group of young men were praying. Thank God, someone's praying. <laughs> They were praying for Michael, whose room was right through that wall on the first floor. They were praying for him. He told me later, it's startling, I don't understand it all, but he said later, I could see through the wall, I could see they were praying, and I didn't want them to pray. But they were praying. Sometimes we have to pray even when people don't want us to pray. A student came into my office. She said, I told God, get out, and Satan, you might as well come in. Chaos in her life. I said, can I pray with you? She said, absolutely not. I said, can I pray for you? She said, if you want to, but not in my presence. Sometimes people don't want us to pray. But this group of young men are praying for Michael, his room right through that wall, and I joined them in prayer. We're praying standing under the banner of Jesus, asking for that protection that he alone can give, praying for Michael. And as we were praying there, 
The door to the stairwell opened. It was Michael's roommate. He looked down and he said, he wants to talk to you. Well, I learned something from reading in the book of Acts, and that is that Jesus didn't send them out one by one. Right? How did Jesus send them out? Because there's strength in having someone alongside to pray with you. And so I turned, and there was Andrew, and I said, Andrew, will you go with me? He said, yes, it changed his life. Today he's a preacher. You see, it can change you when you see what God can do. Our God is an awesome God. Andrew came with me, went up the stairs into the first floor hallway, turned left and left again into Michael's room. As we walked into his room, he slumped on a couch, blood all over his arm, and there is darkness in the room. Have you ever felt darkness? Some of you? I'm not talking about, oh, it's dark outside. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. It was dark in the room. And as I walked into the room, Andrew by my side, I reached out my hand to place my hand on Michael's shoulder, a nursing student there at Southern. And as I reached out my hand to touch his shoulder, he turned to me and in a flat, monotone voice, he said, don't touch me. So I pulled my hand back. And I walked in, I'm praying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? You know, the Bible says I will teach you and instruct you the way you should go. I'm not that smart, and I hope I don't offend you, but neither are you. (laughs) We need spiritual help, don't we? In the battles that we find ourselves facing in life, I'm praying as I'm walking there, Andrew by my side. And as we walk in, a text of Scripture flashes into my mind. And at first, I'm thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Because it was the story of Jesus healing a blind man. But as I process the story, Bartimaeus was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me crowd says, be quiet, but he shouts out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd is hushed. Jesus stands still before this blind man and asks him a question. That was the word of God that flashed into my mind. Does anybody know that story? What do you want me to do for you? Flashed into my mind. So I turned to Michael, and I'm not the Messiah, so I didn't ask him what he wanted me to do for him. I looked at Michael. I said, Michael, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And instantly he answered, help me to forget. What's your first question? And you know what? It's none of our business. Right? Let's talk about this for a long time, shall we? No? Help me to forget. And I thought, 
Can Jesus help someone to forget? If he can't, let's all go home. But I believe he, he can heal the brokenhearted. He can, he can restore the fragmented mind. He can make people whole again. Help me to forget. I said, okay, Michael. We'll pray together. And I'm praying as I'm kneeling. Andrew by my side. We knelt down. And as we knelt down and began praying, Michael kind of fell down, kind of crumpled down onto the floor, and he curled up in a little ball. Not that little, because he was big, but a big little ball. <laughs> curled up. And, and he felt like he was in pain. And I just began to pray in the name of Jesus. And I prayed that God would bless him and help him to forget. Whatever blessing Jesus had for him, it would be given as we were under the authority of Jesus, surrendered to his will. And I prayed it in the name of Jesus. And we said, Amen. And then Michael looked up at me, and he said, can I have a hug? <laughs> and I thought, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, when I came into your room, and I went to put my hand on your shoulder, what did he say? Don't touch me. And now he wants a hug. And I'm thinking I could stoop right over him, and he was big enough to break my back. So I decided to poke him and see if he was hard or soft. <laughs> I know, we're not that smart. So I kind of poked him a little, and it was like boing, boing. It wasn't like boing. So I reached down around this big fellow. He's curled up on the floor. I put my arms around him, and I embraced him in the name of Jesus. And as I did, he whispered in my ear, will he come back? I said, will who come back, Michael? He said, the dark man. Will the dark man come back? I said, how long has the dark man been troubling you? He said, since I was six years old. Every night, the dark man has come. I said, what happened to you when you were six years old? He said, my father committed adultery, and he abandoned my mother, and he abandoned me. <laughs> and that father, who should have been praying spiritual protection for his family, because we're in a battle, that father who thought, this is my life, and I can do what I want with it. He walked away, and Satan seized his son by the soul. And every night, the dark man had come. Will he come back? Whew. I'm so thankful for the word of God. Because a text of scripture flashed into my mind. 
I would not have had the boldness to say it, but Jesus set a person free in Mark 9 and with a heavenly boldness said, leave him and never enter him again. Jesus set Michael free that night. Today, he is a professor in the nursing department at Southern Adventist University. He has two little girls. Maybe they're this big now. Do you think he prays for them? Do you think he prays for the armor of God, the panoply of heaven, to cover them? Don't be careless, my friends. You who stand under the banner of Jesus, we need spiritual protection. But there's something else that Michael told me. It startled me. He came and met with me a couple of days later. We recorded the events of that evening. He said, Dr. Morris, when you came into my, office, into my room that night, I wanted to hurt you. I wanted to hurt Andrew, too. Do you remember Andrew? There were other people, including his roommate, but I did not want to hurt them, but I wanted to hurt you, but I could not, because you were clothed with fire. I don't know. I went. <laughs> what does the armor of God look like to the powers of darkness? A consuming fire? To those who stand in Jesus, it is the light of heaven. But to the forces of darkness, it is a fearful fire. I learned a lesson from that experience. We cannot fight with the weapons of this world. We need spiritual protection. And as we go out from this amazing few days of prayer conference, I appeal to you to live what you have learned. Pray with your eyes open. Pray boldly in the name of Jesus under his authority, surrendered to his will. Pray not to just stay out of trouble, but to be a faithful harvest worker wherever he wants you to be, doing exactly what he wants you to do. And then recognize in the midst of that conflict, you need the protection that only he can give. You don't need to be afraid, my friend. We stand under the banner of Jesus. He is not only our great Savior, He is our awesome Deliverer. Amen. Father in heaven, how we thank You for Your Word, a timely word to us. And I pray that we would not be careless any day. And maybe there is someone even this day who needs our prayers. May we pray protection in the name of Jesus, the armor of God, not only to cover us but them. May we be at peace and at rest in you and faithful in your service. In Jesus' name, amen.